And so it begins. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Watching Right Movies with the Rinkowski Brothers. It's the podcast for people that like enjoy mainstream movies, but are looking to branch out and aren't you really sure where to start. Be a better I don't want to go to a film class to find out. I'm Ben. This is my brother, Nick. <laughs> for sure. Uh, you know, we're not Robert Zemeckis level uh, of professors here, but uh, I think we can do our, we can hold our own. <laughs> hey, Benny, yep. we're saving people money. Uh, don't don't right, waste. So this is much cheaper you, than you. Again, I'm refusing to give you any more keys to my movie studio, but let's say that you're a director that I won't hire because you've bankrupted me too many times. Let's speak for yourself. If you were a director. I mean, do you feel that? You yes, would we can. We be can. Like, like, what do you think your pace of movie making would be? Would you want to be like a every two years cranking one mm. out, staying busy? Would you rather be like Tarantino of like, I'm only going to make 10 and I'm going to make them <sighs> on my own pace and you're just going to deal with it? Uh, are you going to go 10 years without making a movie? What do you think you'd want to do? Yeah. <laughs> Well, there's uh, the long gaps create your myth, right? Kubrick is this legendary figure because we only got a movie from him once or twice a decade. Uh, Malick for years and years and years, you know, was such a he made Badlands or the the more classics you can make, and then we didn't (laughs) see him again until the late nineties. Yeah, and then the more movies you make, the more harm to your legacy you you may or may not do it's been a long time since well it's not correct correct but you're you're risking is yeah. what i'm saying i mean for it's been i still think spielberg is a great filmmaker and nothing he's done in the last decade has shaken that from me but also he's not made a single movie in the last decade that could conceivably compete even in his top five movies of all time, which is not true of the person we're going to talk about today and is not true of another filmmaker who made a movie pretty much every year for his career, every other year, like Alfred Hitchcock. But how many Hitchcock and Scorsese's are there really? I, in my mind, you know, I'm split completely down the middle here. If I look at my personal Mount Rushmore, Spielberg has made 50 movies or so. Uh, you know, pretty repetitively. In fact, he's kind of slowed down. Um, Hitchcock made 53 movies, you know, so a ton there. But Wells, it's a lot. And they're all, what's so remarkable about him is that there's maybe one or two bad ones. There are 30 great ones and all 50, and you can't watch them all. One of them has been destroyed and is lost. Uh, But uh, the, our, our, Compelling. Anyway, he's just the greatest. Uh, but Wells made ten, made you know fewer than ten, um, yeah. and, and what would you know you do? his sort of legend comes from how harassed and hard it was for him to make movies. And then uh, Truffaut died young, uh, right. but left behind a fairly good clip. So, um, and I'm avoiding your answer. In my again, if I could. If I could, if if I knew I was going to make a great, in my mind, I think I'd want to make a movie pretty much be working continuously, um, and 
and and throw them out there and have a career like the person we're going to talk about today where there's a style and there's something I'm known for, but there's also a lot of rich stuff that people don't see as much or that specialists love or, you know, I can be known for gangster movies, but then also make a movie about the Dalai Lama or, um, you know, a, a movie about 19th century New York society uh, or a, you know, be known primarily for my Catholic guilt and then make a movie about a, a wasp trying to get 70 blocks back home. Uh, you know, and, and you can say with Scorsese that he has made a movie or two in the last 10 years that would uh, compete for his top five. I don't personally think that, but uh, but I, you know, there he's made some great movies. I don't think you can ruin your legacy if you've made 15 great movies. Uh, you know, I there's no... Uh, Hitchcock and Spielberg have made more great movies than Wells made movies than right. than Tarantino has made movies. Uh, again, he may have a higher percentage every time he goes out, but you can point to with those you know the 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 prodigious people. Um, yeah, but also this one, and he did a comedy, and he did a musical, yeah. and you know he he, he 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 had all these different flexors. Uh, again, I, I, this is not really and an, a, and an animated movie. And, a, and for, an animated movie for, for Spielberg. Well, oh, with and, and Scorsese with Hugo. Uh, Hugo isn't animated. I mean, parts of it. No, it's not. Well, anyway, it, uh, certainly. That's yeah, a kids it's, movie. It's, it's a kids movie. It's a kids movie. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so yeah, I I think yes, if you could make a great movie every other year, why wouldn't you? Yeah. As opposed to. Uh, and Spielberg a lot will release movies in the same year, multiple movies in the same year. Jurassic Park and and uh, Schindler's List uh, came out in the same year. Uh, Lincoln I think came out in the same year as Ten Ten or something. Heck, heck of a year, <laughs> right? Heck of a year. And you're talking about different movies, but are still great within their genres. Uh, that's incredible. So yeah, I think if you if you feel it, get it out there. It's just that I, I'm not uh, in Tarantino's case. I'm sure in Kubrick's case, they're perfectionists to a level that's that's just not possible. It requires more more effort, I guess. It's yeah. the difference between say a Mozart and uh, a Wagner. Uh, Mozart wrote about as many um, operas as Wagner did, not as much music, but, uh, uh, well, no, that's not true. He wrote about 250 hours of music and he didn't live that long. Yeah. It just sort of flowed <laughs> out of him and it feels effortless. It feels in, in Beethoven and Wagner, it all feels strained, uh, w yeah. wonderful and terrific, but it's just the difference between those two things. I would also feel like this, and I feel like this a lot with a lot of art. And I, I feel like you get this even with like, you know, with musical artists, just when you're in the zone, you know, like when you're in your prime for whatever reason, I feel like you should just keep doing it. Like, I feel like that's, that's when what, you should make a movie every year. And right. then, like, for now, I feel like Spielberg should probably be taken every five years. Sure. <laughs> uh, because, like, look at this. Jaws, 1975. Close oh. Encounters, 1977. 1941 was 1979. But Raiders of the Lost Ark, 1981. E.T., 1982. Yeah. He wrote Poltergeist, which was also 1982. I mean... That is a run, right? And if he had decided to, oh, I'm just going to make one every five years, he only would have made two of those movies, right? Correct. And so I'll, it's like, I won't. So I'm just not when, go your to juices are, when your juices are flowing, just make the movies. <laughs> I, I mean, I will give you, again, at least from, 
yes, I won't go to the mat for uh, 1941, but I'll defend it uh, to a degree. But yeah, it's the it's the outlier on that list. But what a I mean, again, that's a, in a less than a ten year period or a five yeah. film period. It's one of the great of all time. Although I can't outdo the run from Vertigo to Marnie. Like, I mean, Vertigo. Right, well, Psycho, well, I, North by Northwest, God, The Birds, and Marnie is just a murderous role. But that's my whole point. But, and that's why I think you yes. told me this, right? That Scorsese, I mean, that, that Spielberg really is kind of seen as a Hitchcock in that kind of same, again, more crowd pleasing, but very, you know, kind of same style, but obviously doing it better than anyone else and prodigious number of movies. And yeah, they both had these great runs. And yeah, if they decided to take those years off, you know, right. we would have fewer of those great movies. You're, that's the, the, yeah, um, I think you're absolutely right. When you, when you got it, flaunt it, do it. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's talk about a guy who's got it. Uh, <laughs> and this movie that again, I can't, I don't know if it quite has it, but <laughs> let's okay, talk, we'll about, talk it. about it. So it is Martin Scorsese's 1985 comedy. And I'm using that word. Uh, we'll talk about that, sure. I guess. Uh, after hours. So Scorsese, you know, it made Raging Bull, um, had made The King of Comedy, but really wanted, you know, had, had established himself as a American infant terrible, um, but wanted now the studio money. It was like, this is, you know, he, the money was there. It's not a, it's not a Wellesian task for him to get uh, funding. Um, but, he started in the in the mid '80s playing the game a little bit more, primarily to get this film that he wanted to make, uh, The Last Temptation of Christ, um, funded. And he had to make a lot of compromises and movies for other people. The Color of Money, is sequel to The Hustler, uh, with Tom Cruise, it was a totally commercial product. He, it's a it's a good movie, but uh, all for this this goal of of making The Last Temptation of Christ, which he does in 1988, but it was supposed to be made uh, much earlier, right around the time he ends up making After Hours, and the funding fell through, like weeks before shooting was supposed to start, like days, hours, Uh, and it was totally dismaying to him. He felt totally jerked around, and he wanted to... uh, He came to After Hours, which which was a student script... Uh, I'm not making it seem like it, it's not professional, but uh, you know, it, it, a student script without an ending, which we'll talk about. Uh, and he wanted to see, hey, can I do this fast and cheap? It's not. It's his equivalent of Spielberg and uh, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, which 1941 was this big uh, bomb. Uh, so he needed, and, he needed to get back on track. And he had unloaded. You know, he. It made all this money with uh, Jaws and Close Encounters, um, but he also the budgets were there, and the no one was like, yeah, you you make a lot of money with Spielberg, but you spend a lot of money with Spielberg, and he just you know it, productions go over budget and all that kind of thing, and he's like, I'm going to prove to people that I can do a fast and loose production, and that resulting uh, movie was Raiders of the Lost Ark. In the same way, um, uh, Scorsese was like, I'm going to I'm going to make this short 
shooting schedule. Uh, Last Temptation of Christ is supposed to be this really long, big production. I'm going to do this small thing set in the city in just a few locations, uh, you know, and do it quick and cheap and as an exercise and sort of the the guerrilla filmmaking that I came up with, um, but have indeed want to move away from. And that result was After Hours. Griffin Dunn, who plays the lead character, uh, was a producer. You know, he brought the script to um, Scorsese. In fact, he had offered it, I think, to Tim Burton, uh, who was a filmmaker, and the studio didn't want uh, Tim Tim Burton. And so I think he booed out, bowed out as soon as Scorsese's name uh, was was mentioned, and Burton then made a different movie that nobody ever heard of called Pee Wee's Big Adventure. So uh, I, th- I wonder, I should look up what happened to that guy. Uh, you know, so it, it, it did sort of touch careers in, in that regard. But it is a, um, that's sort of the background on it. And one of the reasons why it doesn't feel like it generated from Scorsese in the same way that, that obviously Last Temptation of Christ did or Raging Bull did or Taxi Driver did. It's, it's missing some of those hallmarks. It's not really about, certainly not Catholic guilt, um, but because you've got a waspy guy here. Uh, the premise of the movie, quickly, is that our, a, a waspy computer programmer or computer, I'm I don't just know a what word it is. Processor. He's a word processor. He's just a I'm word just processor. just a word processor. He's just a word processor. And he's got this lame life. He's so lame that Bronson Pinchot is like giving him grief about how much it sucks <laughs> in, the, in the first scene. Um, that that definitely threw me for a loop. <laughs> once Belky is like, this is, this is terrible. I, I wouldn't be caught dead doing this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, it's a bad deal. And he wants some excitement. He lives in New York um, and he meets a woman. And um, she says, why don't you hang out with us later tonight? And the, the, the story is all the Boonwellian, surreal, uh, terrible things that happened to him, trying to get downtown and then back uptown, um, you know, after it, it, his night inevitably turns. And, you know, all kinds of crazy stuff happens. And, but that's the, that's the basic premise, is this guy who wants to dabble in the the CD life realizes very quickly that there are a lot of worse things than uh, just being a bored word processor. Yeah, yes. <laughs> and that has, yeah. and that does not really again like I said it, it that seems out of that that's a great that's a fine enough story but it you can feel that it generated from um, from somewhere else. It's it, it, No, it, it feels it, like what well, and you, I'd read, and that's why I kind of asked the question about how you would do it. Like, it seems like he kind of needed this, like, as a palate cleanser, because he's like, yeah. I'm sick of trying to, I'm sick of doing, I'm sick of playing the game to get my movie made of this controversial novel. That, right? Spoiler alert: when he makes it, it's a controversial movie. Correct. <laughs> that doesn't do well, that, all that well. well that's uh, why which, the funding got pulled in the first which, place. Which I haven't seen it or read it, by the way. Uh, well, it's a great movie. It's, uh, I, I mean. Interesting. I mean, it's a, it is a good movie. I've not read the book, uh, yeah. uh, but it you know it's a worthwhile. Uh, well, anyway. I, the, as soon as I say anyway. that, it's it's not one of his best movies of the eighties. But he also made Raging Bull and After Hours in the eighties. So what am I? Gonna, I mean, what can <laughs> well, I say? Make, I mean, After Hours just seems like a guy being like, I am the best at this, and I am going to show you how good I am by making some garbage script that's a simple th- story, and I'm just going to make it really well. Like that's what watching this feels like you're like this is really like i just feel like this material doesn't seem like it deserves this good of directing to me 
I, that's interesting. I mean, yeah, it does. Because when I say it's a student script, I'm. It, it does well, feel know. that way. Yeah, I mean, it's like, and I read a thing like because it's yeah, it's just basically he has this adventure in this wild night in New York, you know, there's, uh, which there's a lot of movies like that, you know, kind of the nighttime adventure or the not you know, like lost, this though. No, but Lost in the Big City, right? right. And some of them end up having you know crazy things, you know, like, yes. I don't know, like, uh, <laughs> it just came to mind, a Big Trouble in Little China, but sure. <laughs> where you go, you know, real weird magic stuff, and this is, there's no magic here, it's just weird New Yorkers. Uh, um, correct. But everything follows, like, again, I read, I, I can't remember if it was in Ebert's review, like, dream logic, right? Yes, like, it's a nightmare. Like, technically, yeah, I guess that would be what you'd connect that, but, like, no real human would act the way that he just did, or they just did. Uh, I don't know, or this connect this coincidence would not have happened in real life ever, or well, it would keep happening. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, yes, of course not. But it has again; it's got this Boonwellian surreal nightmare yes. logic to it, where he just yeah. can't get out of Soho for the yes. life of him. Now, now he can. He just he, he again, doesn't he, walk. He, he, he doesn't, doesn't just walk. He doesn't. Well, it's raining, and that would okay, I mean, at the beginning of the night. At the beginning of the night, you would. But it's, first of all, it's ninety blocks <laughs> or so. I mean, it would be a really long walk. But yes, Fine, by but the end of it, he definitely of, should. He could have but gotten out of point, the vicinity of the crazies. Maybe doesn't point, make it all the way home. But. At that point, the you know the the mob is after him. Uh, yes. Anyway, For, it's a, why though? Why are they? Because he's the thief. That I think is one of the more New York aspects of it. In a certain way, it's relatable because we've all had evenings like this. Not well, not nothing like this, no. but you know, evenings that feel progressive. Our friend, and by that I mean they they progress from one location to another location yes. and back again, and all those kind of things. You know, it, um, you, where your friend and it, and it it has to be in a big city in that in a place where it takes a little while to get from place to place. I mean, I'm sure when we lived in LA there were times yeah. where you know okay I'm in Redondo right now but we're about to go to Long Beach and you know we've got another yeah. friend who's in the hills who wants to do whatever um, and in your not, evening I'm certainly not making that walk from Redondo to Long Beach so. <laughs> yeah, but yeah but that's the difference between 20 <laughs> miles and maybe 2 miles uh, anyway uh, well if I was at your, well let's I'll put it this way if I was at your house I wouldn't walk to LA Live because I wouldn't walk through that neighborhood <laughs> oh how dare you that are <laughs> Fine. Um, the Actually, I, I probably would. I probably have. <laughs> I think I'm sure. I definitely have. Anyway, uh, but yeah, exactly. I'm downtown now. Get yourself to Los, you know, to yeah. um, Silver Lake, and then as soon as you get to Silver Lake, oh man, you just missed us. Uh, yeah. We're we're in Alhambra. Although at, at that point, I'm going home. I'm not going to Alhambra. You anyway. Uh, the, the, but it, what's New York about this is the, is the mob is the, is the on top of each other. Everyone's looking out for, is that sort of community? I don't say close knit, like they're friends, but just yeah. the, 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 no one messes with my city. Correct. That, yeah. but also our building, our, Hey, yeah. our whole building has yeah. been, you know, they know each other from a sort of protective, everybody has to know each other's business. Um, you know, that's what makes it a little more uniquely New York, uh, New York, but for the most part, it could, this could have taken place in any number of other places. Uh, but it's just a, um, 
you know, one damn thing after another. And it could be, I think what separates it from if somebody else had directed it, if somebody else had directed it, you very well may have enjoyed it more. And that's not a, it's not a, a knock on Scorsese. Yeah. It's just that the anxiety is, is moved up to 11, uh, to quote yes, a different no, mid eighties, uh, movie. <laughs> it, 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 the things that are happening could be funny and they are funny on a certain level, but they're also just like, I want this to stop. I want this yeah. ride to stop. I want to get off the ride. Uh, every, you know, even when he's being, there's a way to do this where it would be really more enjoyable as he's getting more frustrated. Instead, it's right. just more nightmarish and you feel like you're being um, sucked down into it uh, with him. That's uh, a good point. Because, yeah, it could be more like, I don't know, trains, planes, and automobiles, right? We're like, oh, look at this. Right. This happening on the, you know, to Steve Martin on the road. Ha ha. This yeah, you're just like, has, oh, you're like, you're right. This it makes it try to feel like those nights you've had where you're just like, I need to go to bed and I right. can't get home. Uh, you feel the... Yeah, I um, think it does do, do a good job of that. It does. Uh, and uh, But again, at, at the expense of probably in the enjoyment and the box office, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but, but he made it for so cheap that I think... Correct. Oh, no, it was fine. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not... It, but it's also, yeah, it's just, it's yeah. vaguely forgotten. I mean, had you ever heard of it? No. And I mean, you look at the poster, you're like, wow, that looks like an 80s movie. That's for sure. It does. It does. It <laughs> the, does. I it's mean, you look at that and, you're, and you feel like, okay, so there's like a, again, I'm literally like, it looks like, you know, bamboozled or uh, mm-hmm. bedazzled or whichever one it is the, <laughs> that, oh, there's a she devil that's somehow twisting right. him around and he needs to do something before the strike, cro- the clock strikes midnight. That's what I would say right. from the poster is happening. And there could be some weird 80s claymation involved <laughs> because that's what's on the poster with his neck. Yeah, correct. Course, none of that happens. And not none only that, of that. And at least when it starts out, like, okay, this woman that he meets talking about you know, a little tropic of cancer. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is cause she's going to be the end of him. Nope. She dies very early on. Very early on. There's I'm a like, couple, there's a, there's a, there's two or three people on the body count. Again, we were watching another movie in which the main actress is, is, is dead yeah. before the end of the second reel. Uh, and I'm just like, and I did not want her, this one to die. I did not want her to commit suicide. <laughs> like how is that in this movie? Like, and how is that just written off? And quite frankly, it's, partially his fault <laughs> it is he should feel okay. and again that is played he for last and is one of the funnier portions when the 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 bartender is being like oh my god when he yes. finds out because the the coincidence and he's like it's was, my it's my fault it's my fault and he can say with great confidence no it's not yes. uh, or sure i'm sure it's not your fault uh yes. you know that's the he doesn't uh What's interesting about it is he's being, because he at one point at the end of the night, and the whole thing's at the end of the night, but at, at yeah. the end of his ordeal, he gets on his knees and says, why God, you know, what yes. can I do? What are you, why are you doing this for? Well, that's sort of Job-like. I'm just a word processor. He has not, he's not a terrible person. And there's no, nothing he, you can indicate one thing. Choices. Yes, yes. And Both he for himself also, and as a kind. He's, again, he just ghosts her because he doesn't right. like that she's got burns? Dude. I, <laughs> I mean, that's bad. Especially yeah. considering all the other red flags that yes. were flying up. I mean, he, he's trying to get with her for yeah. as long as he can before it becomes clear that, that there's... that. It's really problematic, yeah. uh, and it's not like there. This is a true romance type of thing because he also 
low-key tries to get with Linda Florentino, yes. um, you know, when, uh, you know, when she's her roommate, uh, uh, Patricia Arquette's roommate, uh, before Patricia Arquette shows up. But uh, th- which, those you which can... by the way, I absolutely was going to this. I was like, okay, I'm going to see Rosanna Arquette because I forget, can't, I forgot <laughs> that there's Patricia Arquette also. And I was right. like, well, no, that's, that's not Rosanna Arquette. Oh, Patricia Arquette. Okay. And then I'm waiting for the woman from Men in Black to show up. And then I realize, oh, she's the... Well, you didn't recognize her. No, I did absolutely. One of us that did not recognize Linda Florentino as the super 80s... <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, sculptress. <laughs> I mean, I had to Correct. like, I literally didn't even believe it when I was looking at Wikipedia. I was like, no. And I had to like <laughs> find a screen cap on a line that said that is Linda Florentino. <laughs> I, I think it looks just like her, but uh, well, I mean, it is just like her. I, I, I don't know. What to, <laughs> yeah. That's a weird thing. I don't know what to yeah. tell you that. Anyway, I, uh, I verified yeah. it for myself, but yeah. How yeah, about, he, yeah well, he like he just decides to get, he gives her a massage and then when she just passes out he thinks oh yeah I can just play this off it's sitting next to her naked roommate correct on the couch that part asleep. is legitimately funny he's like I don't know what to there isn't yeah. in a part there's a vague especially early on before things yeah. go really off the rails yeah. of a kind of Seinfeld esque yeah social faux pas where a lot of his problems would be solved if you know, the she'll go in the shower and the phone will ring. Yeah. Um, you know, but she doesn't like, get an answer. Don't answer it. <laughs> well, that that makes total sense for us in a cell phone yes. era. But then a lot of this is to- yeah, you do have to take yourself back to yeah. a time because none of the story make would work or make any well, sense no. in in today's world. It, no. it just wouldn't because the the whole thing you is can't lose your money on, unless you've lost your whole wallet and your phone. Of course, like right. Uh, did you exactly. See his, did you see his remote? His TV remote. I do. Yeah, it's big. That it was like a joystick. I mean, that was right. my favorite. That was my favorite atheism. Because honestly, so, it does a pretty good job of not feeling dated. I mean, the music isn't dated. The like, the, the music, music is incredible. The music's really good, uh, and you know, it's not dated except in the technology that they have to. I mean, so uh, you can't really fault it for that. But right. Uh, but and the fact that a word processor is not a person; it's a program that we. All it's use a process, now. right? But, well, I mean, yes, not, he's been so, replaced. So, so, yeah. Uh, anyway, it, it, but yeah, it's a, he, my point is he has, is not the worst person in the world. He does, does some selfish things and yeah. some scumbaggy things on the thought that nine times out of 10, 99 times out of a hundred, it would no be, I shouldn't uh, say, if not, if not, no big deal. He never had to see this person again and would be, you know, it, they're just selfish, dirtbaggy things. It reminded me, I don't know if you saw this movie, uh, the, the recent movie, Promising Young Woman. Uh, with Carrie Mulligan, it's terrific. Uh, I know I've, I, saw, I saw the previews when it was going to come out before the pandemic, uh, but have not you know not when it was going to hit theaters before that. But I, so I know what it's about. Yeah, <laughs> but it, it's kind of a takedown of the so-called yeah. nice guys. Scott. Yeah, this guy yes. is not a he's not a, a rapist. He's not a right. he's not a you know a, a, a criminal in the in a sense. Although uh, he does. Her, he does check out her dead naked body. That was There's no doubt about it. Yes, <laughs> so. again, but he definitely falls into the, again. If you see promising yes. a woman, this yeah. this category, and that's why I think he so he feels so put down upon. Why is this happening to me? Well, there yeah. is some reasons of why this. If you want to just yes. talk about the balance of scales, yeah, of he did the, some the cosmic justice, yeah. right? Uh, you know, he's he. 
anyway, he, he may pass as a nice guy. He's not quite all that nice. Uh, but he definitely doesn't belong in this world. I mean, he, he meets Linda Florentino. She's an artist, and he thinks it's so cool to be kind of slumming it. Um, uh, you know, getting out of Carnegie Hill to, but he he calls the Make, painting the Shriek. He doesn't know. Yes. <laughs> he, he, he's just painfully square, uh, and needs to needs to shuffle himself back up um, to the Upper East Side. And yet, throughout this movie, women continue to throw themselves at him. That really uh, bothered me. So I think that, that has more to do with the fact that it's two a.m. Maybe, uh, I guess. But but Terry Gar. Yes, the, the waitress, terrific. Ju- the waitress Julie, who's very good in this, bouffanted uh, sort of sixties. Yeah, yes, just immediately is like, take me out of here. Like you look like a nice guy. You will save me from this hell of waitressdom at two a.m. for some reason. Uh, and of course, it is funny because at first he's going to blow her off too, and then he's like, oh, that didn't work out for me last time. I guess I better try to uh, right listen to her. Although why he hates her so much right off the bat, I don't know. I mean, she seemed. I think he needs sleep. He's at the, I mean, I just think he's had an ordeal. Yeah. Right. Um, Yeah. And then the next woman who is the second of the two parents from home alone. Yes. It's a, it's a home alone (laughs) reunion, Um, but in very different, correct. Before home alone. Yes. Right. The home alone prequel. Perhaps this is where they met. (laughs) I mean, they moved to Chicago after John, uh, after John Hurd's girlfriend killed himself, she consoled correct. him as the mo- could they do because he does meet up with her. Oh man, I think you got it. This is part of the is, Home Alone extended universe. It is. It is. <laughs> wow. So make sure your kids before they see Home Alone, they've seen <laughs> After Hours after first. <laughs> so yes, Catherine O'Hara. Catherine O'Hara uh, seems friendly, but then very quickly you know she's quickly crazy. <laughs> correct. But again, again, it's the it's it's at, it's three a.m. It's four. You yeah. know, it's it is just so different everybody yeah. becomes like again it's that, and it's true things that seem like a good decision at 3 a.m in the light of day that's why that's, that's the reason that phrase in the light of day exists uh because you're like yeah that was not smart <laughs> one of the uh, you know the ongoing sort of theories about the movie is that it is a allusion to and this this may be true based on a, a student script there is a Greek myth aspect to it that he's going down he's going to the underworld okay uh, you know he's in the taxi and this is reinforced by Scorsese who found the river sticks and the underworld imagery a part of taxi driver it's not overt uh, uh-huh. it's, the story isn't that but the, the sort of the steam and the idea of a taxi being sort of the the, the boat of Sharon you know yeah. taking people to, to over the river sticks and he loses the fare right so he can't yes. pay he can't pay his way and okay. every um, you know uh, every person he meets represents a sort of siren or a Circe who seems okay. like they can help them. Everyone promises yeah. to help him, um, uh, along the way. And they, they cannot, um, uh, or they turn out to be monsters or they turn out to be part of the problem where they continue to, to kick him down the road until he finally does have to die in a certain way, becomes yeah. a corpse kind of, yeah. um, to get himself back up there. And the irony is that why can't, why does he lose the fare? Uh, he was getting it out of his wallet in the cab, and flew, and the wind blew it away. Now, don't you think he would have avoided that if only he had a plaster of Paris, everything bagel with cream cheese paperweight? <laughs> so uh, the, the, where would, the thing. I mean, he, 
the thing he needs, obviously, I did not really. No, we keep. You wouldn't uh, use it strictly in a speaking. Cab, but strictly get, speaking, he puts the money in the ashtray yes. in the cab. It's not that he. It's the okay. transfer. He oh, lets go of yeah. it. Yeah. Um, so if he had had a pep- hey, paperweight, we, it it would have worked out. But I um, that's true. I, I, now I now I see that, uh, and that is very Seinfeldian, right? That then that same taxi driver comes back, right. Doesn't give Correct. a ride because he didn't have. I mean, that would happen to George for sure. Right, definitely. Uh, <laughs> and it, there are also a lot of allusions to the Wizard of Oz. Uh, a lot of the women wear yellow. I mean, there again. This is I maybe maybe. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, you can read it. Pulling That's, a little bit. Maybe. But obviously, it's literally mentioned uh, in Patricia Arquette's very strange story, uh, which I do think is the the sort of breaking point for when when Gryffindon is like, yeah, it, it, that and the Burns, which is, kind of makes him yeah. a dirtbag, but he's like, I need yes. to get out of here. Uh, but you got the yellow cab. There's, there's rainbow imagery um, quite a bit. Terry Gar's got a couple of rainbows in her, um, in her apartment. Oh, okay. uh, you know, th- that may seem, and again, I don't think that this is meant to be what it's about or a remake yeah. of the wizard of Oz or anything like that, but you don't end up with two rainbows in, in one set location unless it was somebody's <laughs> yeah, idea to put there. Yeah. I mean, my okay. point is these things are more controlled than you would think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then, and again, things don't like he's at, you know, the Berlin, whatever the cafe Berlin or club Berlin club Berlin, you know, avoiding a mullet at first, uh, (laughs) correct. About getting a mullet. And then he comes back an hour later and nobody's there. Like (laughs) it's a nightmare. Yes, of course it doesn't. But Uh, why would Cheech and Chong are always at the wrong, always at the right place or wrong place. Extremely important to this movie. (laughs) They are. Uh, And then, yeah. So we, you know, at the end he, he's now he's in, uh, Club Berlin and he meets another woman and thinks yep I'm going to hit on her because now hitting on women has really worked out for me so far tonight uh, well, of course this woman does save him because he's like no one yes. ever talks to her he's the only one who like I don't know what's so wrong with her <laughs> no she seems perfectly normal yeah. she helps him out I mean yeah, I mean she, she is kind of weird in that she makes covers him and, and so, I don't see how I don't see how paper mache sculptures is a thing uh, big industry in the yeah, in south, in of, south of Houston. Yes, yeah. correct. And then, you know, then he, yeah, she saves him by plastering him, which of course is clever and also, of course, would not work in any way. No, no. And uh, why would it? I mean, they, yeah. they take him uptown. And why does he why, fall out? Why that exact? I mean, but that is the, and that, by the way, the ending. So, like I said, if it began the shooting without an ending yeah. and they had a whole bunch of different, that he was going to die, that he, the mob would pull him okay. apart. Uh, at one point, they discussed. Um, you mentioned the woman at the at the uh, club Berlin. He was going to crawl into her womb to hide from the, the no. people, and then she would birth no. him. No. As a, so again, this. <laughs> no. And that was. I think they they even written it up how they were going to you know deliver that. But uh, Michael Powell, who we've talked about in this podcast, he directed. Um, uh, Life and Death of Colonel Blimp and, and Peeping Tom is is married uh, was married to Thelma Schoonmaker, the longtime editing collaborator, uh, the editor of this movie and most of Scorsese's movies and a mentor of Scorsese's and said you can't do that. That's the weirdest thing I've ever heard of. Uh, <laughs> and I made Peeping Tom. <laughs> correct, <laughs> correct. Uh, you're gonna you can't do that. So um, it's they. The, I, I mean, think maybe, the ending, you, but it, it feels like the ending. Stuff. Yeah. Right. I'm surprised the ending wasn't written because it feels so neat and tidy like the other yes. things in the 
in the movie, and it does work. I think it's pretty satisfying as far as I think so. Again, once because once you've once by that point I've gotten rid of gotten rid of logic. So the fact that he falls, right? The fact that Cheech and Chong can't discover that there's a human body in this plaster, <laughs> right. you know, this paper this supposedly paper mache sculpture, uh, and even like. Well, anyway, even the logical leap that Cheech takes to say, oh, that's my sculpture. How do you know you stole the one you stole got right. broken? It was from a different place. Why would this one be the same one? But uh, once you once you take in over the fact that it would fall out and the fact that why does he go to work? Should how are you telling me this wasn't well, a, Saturday, a Friday night? Like, yeah, <laughs> you really he really called a woman at 1130 on a weeknight. <laughs> Again, I know I that mean, we're not New Yorkers. I know that New York is different, but man, I just <laughs> Well, he wouldn't have to be in at work till ten or so, or you know, nine or ten. I, I don't but, think he was. But the, you know, but the imagery of him going into work is great, and all this stuff is good. And then the fact that we save a classic Scorsese tracking shot for oh, the eighty credits, which is fun, over uh, the Mozart's Forty Fifth Symphony. Yeah. I love that. that and, boom, and, boom, and spinning boom. around the you know, the nineteen eighties work off the workspace yes. was pretty cool, particularly to me considering that he goes back to that same kind of work office for. Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, uh, but at that point, it's a relic, and at this point, this was the new stuff. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, that's, and we should credit then Michael Ballhouse, the the um, the cinematographer. This was the, his first collaboration with uh, with Scorsese, who they would work together quite a bit. So, it, it, it for an exercise, it was a fairly fruitful exercise, not only for yeah. Scorsese, who found a longtime collaborator, but for Tim Burton. Yeah, I guess that's true. Uh, yeah, and I feel like yeah, I feel like the ending worked for me. Again, I just in terms of the whole movie, I can't say the whole movie quite worked for me. Again, it just yeah. felt like this is a great director slumming it, and he does a great job. And again, it's super breezy. I mean, it flies by, so, so I can't I can't hate it. <laughs> oh, see, whereas I feel it drags, and I, I don't mean drag. I just in think it stretches way. time. Yeah, and no, I don't oh. mean to drag in a bad way because I think this is one of Scorsese's yeah. ten best movies. It just, it, I, I can't believe it's an hour and a half. It feels yes, oh yes. Uh, I also will say this: like I've, I've oftentimes wondered, like, wouldn't it be awesome to see, like, if that you could either be in the alternate universes in which, say, Tim Burton made After Hours, like yeah. if you could see, like if you could see if, like. Scorsese made Raiders of the Lost Ark and I mean if you just right. saw or not even that they had to be the famous movies but just like a scene how would Spielberg Scorsese yes. P.T. Anderson Quentin Tarantino make this same exact scene that's already written like I just would, it'd be super fascinating to me but you couldn't do that in real life because they wouldn't no. do that but they, to be able to see like what that would be like <laughs> would, to me would be pretty cool <laughs> and then there are nothing no shortages of of you know directors attached to interesting movies that, that didn't do it or fell through sure. that it would be yeah, you really wonderful to see yeah, it was alternate universes yeah what would have happened right um, yeah and, do, and th- I I was gonna say I also think my favorite line in the movie uh, does Catherine O'Hara does get to deliver it I just you know earlier right when he when Linda Florentini or Florentino is having him do her sculpture and she's like it's not that hard you just put on the paper mache you know and he's like okay right. and then when he's you know, hidden in the paper mache. She's looking at these sculptures. And she's like, that's not that hard. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> well, it doesn't look so hard. I just like that a lot. <laughs> it's good. Nice little callback. Yeah. I yeah. like, um, the cop when he tries to turnstile jump, uh, yeah. and, uh, as he's running out, he, the cop says, uh, it must be a full moon out there. 
which is obviously ADR'd, um, okay. which we talked about last time, which means it was yeah. added after the fact. Uh, but I, that has to be a subtle, and the reason I think that's in there is because Griffin Dunn, what, his most famous movie would have been American, American Werewolf, Werewolf in, right, in London. Uh, cool. So it's a little little inside there. I didn't but, find uh, that out until I researched after I'd seen it, so I didn't pick up on that at the time. Uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah. But, by the way, yeah, we should have mentioned that. I feel like that, to me, was one of the most kind of relatable scenes is when he goes He's got you know a few dollars. And right. Oh, like, the change. They changed right? the, the change fare? of the, over, the overnight. Like, and he's like, "Did you know they changed the fare?" He's like, "Oh uh, yeah." <laughs> like, I mean, how many times? That, I mean, I feel like that has happened. Like late night things. You're like, "Oh, I didn't know that was like right. that." But even just in life, when you're like, oh, "Correct." Who, who knew they changed this? <laughs> like, why is this open because of COVID? Like, right. <laughs> yes. why can't Every- I do this? But and if you like when you're the one that does that knows it, you're like, "Everyone knew that, dude." But when you right. missed it, you're like, "Ah." Uh, right correct yeah the, yeah so that was good <laughs> like that was and i lo- you're very relatable <laughs> and what i and the last thing on you know why a great director would handle this material the the close-ups and zoom-ins on phones and keys and money yeah i mean they're, they're not just close-ups they're interesting those are the key those are the tools of his escape and they're always going to uh, and part of them are plot. You know, we need to know that John Hurd's uh, keys are yeah. the tattoo. Uh, but, you know, the throwing of the keys, and the, the, they're obviously yeah. important. And since like, every time he uh, he picks up a phone, we sort of do like a whip pan or a zoom, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, and the, but they, they don't what, ever like, get what, him close. What new hell is this? <laughs> Correct. Precisely. <laughs> it's just great. Yeah. It's good. And I will also say this. For a movie from 1985 in which there are numerous queer characters. I mean, I don't know if it's going to win LGBT awards, but I, there were no, there are no really horrible gay jokes. Like, no, it's totally like, just a, a reality. Just yeah, the, like right. I was, I was very worried. I was going to like cringe and you don't like the jokes are maybe that maybe Will Patton is kind of a, you know, one of those, <laughs> like, you know, he's scaring <laughs> Dominique, but it's not the fact that, he's whatever i mean because he's with her and they're you know doing whatever sex right. stuff they want to do right and then you know the you lack discipline right yeah but maybe like the, the, yeah right the more stiff maybe the, the more stereotypical gay guys in the that he meets at the one you know building they don't you know they're just seen as normal people and they you know they're the ones who start the mob but it's not you know well, uh, we talk and, so much about yeah. representation especially for, yeah. for that community now i mean there are just a yeah. couple of guys making out in the back of the bar yes. that are on screen the entire time right. and it, it, it's not it's not brought it's not attention common, to it's not no. it's not commented at all except and that this is yeah, the just, this is what's right. happening yeah. C- correct uh, again, it, it, it even goes so far as that Griffin Dunn doesn't think twice about it, you know, it, it, which yes. it does seem. Uh, again, progressive makes it seem. I think. Yeah. I think it's just there is. It just does. It just represents well, yeah, the world say it was that exists. Necessarily, but it certainly wasn't re- retrograde. No, uh, or nor would it be normal for other movies at that time. A different movie no. would have absolutely commented on it one way right. or the other. It would have made it's, bad gay jokes. Yeah, which right. it doesn't at all. Uh, no, uh, which is impressive. Yeah, uh, and speaking of Will Patton, that's my. That's the best I can do for a Bond connection. He's in Entrapment. Uh, with Sir uh, Sean, with Sean Connery. Connery, yeah, okay. Uh, so that's all. Like, it was impossible. There was there are not enough people. There were in this movie. Uh, no, but <laughs> correct. There's very few people in the movie, and they're so I, more or less comedians or lights. You know, the, yeah. the people that you wouldn't find in a Bond movie. Um, yeah, 
I think I think that's as close as you can come. Isn't Peter Boyle? I'm trying to think of other plus ones. Didn't wasn't Peter Boyle a, a, a henchman in a Bond movie? So. No, yeah, I'm I sure. I'm right. sure there are other ones, but I feel like connecting to Bond himself got was the winner. Yeah, it is the sure <laughs> that makes sense. I, I can believe that. Okay. Well, was this the right movie? I just if you, I mean, we talked about Scorsese, <laughs> and I actually feel like of many things I've learned from doing this podcast from you, I feel like I've appreciated Scorsese so much more from doing this podcast. I'll take just that. His, his breath is so insane of doing Age of Innocence, you know, to mm-hmm. Raging Bull, which I did already love, but then to this, to After Hours, right? He's made, then to Silence, uh, to The Departed, to the AV. I mean, he just does what he wants to do, which is awesome. I just, you know, and even if I don't love it, like this one, uh, but I'm just guess I'm just saying if you're gonna watch Scorsese, there's so much better you can do than After Hours. <laughs> but if you only heard of Scorsese through yeah. this podcast, what a different opinion you would have him. Because I think the only other thing we've done is Age of Innocence. Age of Innocence. And I do think both of those are great, great yeah. movies, all timers by him. But yeah. it does present a totally different um, of what his reputation is. Even though it's not like these yes. are secrets, they're not even. No. He was an established person when both of those movies were made. I mean, a, a, right. a multi-Oscar nom. They're not like early obscure stuff. This is right in the heart of his career. So uh, it's 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 just just a strange case in that he's almost taken for granted. I do feel like he's taking for granted at this point um, that a movie with his name attached to it isn't thought of as an event, um, you know, or can be forgotten the way that those two have. So I'm I'm happy to resurrect them, even though I think you're right. They you had to have that foundation of Taxi Driver. Um, Raging Bull uh, first would be my would be my suggestion. And then you've probably already seen Goodfellas, maybe or Casino. Right. Uh, and then sure, check out After Hours again. It's it's fun once you realize that no one is logical, <laughs> <laughs> which you know sure. is hard for me. Uh, all right, uh, so uh, we've talked about how this is this. I liked how you, I I think you're right. That's a really good way to put it. Of this, you know, going into the River sticks which I feel mm-hmm. like the underworld, which I feel like the city, you know, that, that happens in a lot of movies where they go into, you know, either the country bumpkin or someone from a different part of the side of the tracks goes into the city and wild things happen. Uh, so give me your top five crazy adventures in the city movies. Oh boy. I think I misunderstood your, uh, <laughs> I'm going to give you, the, I, <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, just movies that take that, that, uh, I, well, I'll tell you, uh, yeah. I was I was looking for movies that um, uh, where the that take place over a relatively short period of time, a matter of days or hours, as opposed as opposed to you know the the, the full breadth of a story. Um, but then um, uh, in one location, where the location is kind of you know a, a big part of that, so yeah. the, the story is is not going to be. Uh, uh, only one of these, I think, would would f- fulfill your criteria there. Uh, but number five is uh, Wings of Desire, a great movie set in Berlin, uh, in which this actually no, this would because it's about an angel that visits Berlin. It is the the basis of the movie City of yeah. Angels, starring uh, uh, Nicholas Cage. Nicolas Cage. Uh, 
this is the the original of, from, from Vim Vendors, uh, uh, a great movie that both shows off Berlin in a really special way uh, and has Peter Falk in it, which means it's terrific. Um, and uh, so it's at number five. Before Sunrise, another movie, I guess, would at the bare minimum... <laughs> fit your criteria because it is Americans visiting Vienna uh, or at least Ethan Hawke is a American um, it's part of the Sunrise uh, okay. or the bef- Before series uh, by Richard Licklider which are great great movies um, but unbelievably talky I, I, <laughs> anyway um, uh, but they, they're are, they're in Vienna After Hours finishes number three on this list as I conceive it um, Ferris Bueller's Day Off which I think would would more yeah. talk about oh, you know, in in the range of what you're talking about? Oh, I, I think that's. Uh, I did not. I had not thought of that when I asked this, but I feel that certainly meets it for sure. Right uh, is number two, which is weird to say about it because I think the filmmaking is better in After Hours. I mean, again, in this list, that's how they go. And then the yeah. number one movie does not fulfill that criteria, but except that it's set in one place in one city uh, over one day and it's do the right thing, which would top yeah. just about every other list of any kind. But what movies did you have in mind when you asked for the list? Oh, I mean... Like Adventures fir- in Babysitting and... Uh, yeah, which wouldn't be on the top five, but certainly right. that, you know, that's kind of the example. Or, uh, like I said, Big Trouble uh, in Little China. Oh, Big Trouble, yeah. Which I just kind of thought... Uh, I had one I thought, but again I try not to. Oh, sorry. Sway you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't have. Again, I feel like uh, Ferris Bueller is actually a perfect one that I would not. That I not have. Well, it was the first uh, thing that came to mind. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, okay. It's like that's funny now that I'm going to associate After Hours with Ferris Bueller's Day Off. <laughs> Very similar, again, but yeah. they are similar in the sense yeah, that <laughs> things, but are exactly what I was just talking about is that if you a different filmmaker, uh, you you could make this movie much more in the Ferris Bueller um, mold, uh, but they thankfully don't. Yes. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, well, thanks, Nick. Thank you, everyone, for listening. If you've got any opinions uh, uh, on movies in the city, on Martin Scorsese's movies, or how you what how many movies you would make as a director, let us know at watchingtherightmovies at gmail.com. Uh, and just tune in next week. I'm Ben. This is my brother, Nick. See you, Benny. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for tonight.